In addition to asking yourself about your priorities for the year ahead, also ask if your priorities are clear throughout your learning business. Is everyone on the team aware of and crystal clear on your priorities for the year ahead? I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 392 of the Leading Learning Podcast, in which we'll focus on what 2024 may hold for learning businesses. We're thinking of this episode as a companion to episode 391, in which we reflected back on 2023. Now we'll look ahead. And January is, of course, the time for that looking back and that looking forward. Uh, January is named after Janus, the Roman god with two faces. So one set of eyes looking to the past, the other set looking ahead to the future. Hopefully, dear listener, you've already been strategizing and preparing for the year ahead, but we hope our conversation will be further encouragement to you to be thoughtful about your priorities for 2024. To help us look at the year ahead, we'll draw on data we collected via an online survey in the fourth quarter of 2023. We received qualifying responses from 115 organizations, learning businesses of all types, that is organizations that sell continuing education, professional development, and other types of lifelong learning experiences to adult learners. And respondents included charitable or philanthropic organizations, educational institutions, for-profit businesses, and associations, which were the largest segment of respondents. We asked survey respondents to let us know which of 14 areas they are already pursuing, planning to pursue in 2024, or not planning to pursue. So those three answer choices for 14 areas. And those 14 areas are, one, creation of learning experiences that combine online elements with face-to-face elements. Two, implementation of technologies that leverage artificial intelligence to support or enhance learning. Three, micro-learning opportunities. Four, providing a personalized learning experience. Five, creation of social, peer-to-peer, or cohort-based learning experiences. Six, the use of virtual reality or augmented reality to provide new learning experiences or enhance existing experiences. Seven, the use of virtual conferences, and we defined a virtual conference as an online event similar to a traditional face-to-face conference, not just a single webinar. And the other areas are eight new or alternative approaches to credentialing, including certificate programs, micro-credentials, and digital badges. Nine, aligning offerings with specific career or job paths relevant to learners. So for example, through a competency model, learning pathways, or targeted curricula. 10, integration of educational offerings into the learning and development programs of employers in a field or industry, or into general workforce development needs. 11, development of strategies or tactics to help combat declining enrollments, downward price pressure, or commoditization of educational offerings. 12, increased efforts to gather and analyze data to inform new product decisions or improve existing products. 13, increased efforts to gather and analyze data that demonstrates the impact or effectiveness of the learning experiences offered. And 14, implementation of methods to ensure that learning is retained 
and applied over time. So, listener, what's top of the list for your learning business to tackle this year? What are your priorities? It might be something that you already heard in that list of 14 areas that we mentioned, or it might be something else. And I will note, because I know it's hard to probably keep all 14 of those in mind if you're just listening, but you can find a list of those areas in the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 392. Before we get to some data from the survey on those 14 areas, you might want to pause, literally hit pause on the podcast and think about your own priorities and which of these, if any, are on your radar and which you're likely to act on in the coming year. In addition to asking yourself about your priorities for the year ahead, also ask if your priorities are clear throughout your learning business. Is everyone on the team aware of and crystal clear on your priorities for the year ahead? At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you're looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com services. Now that you've hopefully paused and done a little thinking on your own, we're going to share the top four areas from the survey results. These are the four areas that have more than a third of respondents saying they plan to begin pursuing these in 2024. Now, top of the list is probably not a surprise. It is what we would probably have all guessed if we had to, implementation of technologies that leverage artificial intelligence to support or enhance learning. So 44.3% are planning to focus on that in 2024. And actually 27.4% are already working on it. So this is the area where we saw the, the largest change in planning to this year versus planning to last year is a 15.7 point increase in fact. It's not surprising that AI has jumped higher in people's plans. AI seems to be everywhere uh, at this point. What's probably more interesting is the fact that 28.3% aren't focused on AI and don't plan to in the year ahead. And we're thinking that only beginning to focus on AI in 2025, or maybe later these folks are planning on focusing on it, that could be a little bit late. Yeah, and I feel like we should probably spend a little bit of extra time on this area because of AI's potential to color and impact so much of what learning businesses do and really just also the broader world in which we are all living and working and learning. And one of the ways we talked about this in a you know, webinar we did on the, the, the topic to kind of cap the year was referring to AI really, or thinking of AI more as infrastructure at this point. And this is a, an idea that comes from Dr. Philippa Hardman, who's kind of one of the leading thinkers about AI and education right now. I think she tends to go by Dr. Phil, if I understand correctly, but she did a Substack post in November writing about AI as infrastructure. And, you know, most people, many people see AI as kind of a powerful tool or technology but it's really more than that. To, to quote what Phil says, it's an infrastructural development with fundamental implications 
for how humans live, work, and learn. And so in that Substack post, she's making the point that AI is less like a calculator, which is a tool, and it's more like electricity, which is an infrastructure. So AI is really foundational and then enables and supports many technologies and tools. And by adopting this view of AI as infrastructure, then the discussion about AI and how we can use it kind of opens up. It gives us two ways to look at AI. So there can be artificial intelligence for automating human capability, and then there can be AI for augmenting human capability. And so AI for automation means that artificial intelligence is taking over a task that was previously done by a human. So that's where instead of someone having to manually add up those numbers, we get to use the calculator. And I think that's the one that you know gets most people worried about, you know, AI is going to take over, it's going to automate all these jobs that human beings used to do. We're going to, you know, become the we're going to have our robot overlords here in the not too distant future. And I don't want to dismiss, you know, those, those sorts of fears out of hand. AI is very powerful, but you know, it goes beyond just automation and, and what's possible. And that so that the second area is AI for augmentation, which means it's really assisting a human being and freeing up mental bandwidth so that they can prioritize high value work. So in this case, you know, AI is enhancing a human's ability. And this is, again, that sort of AI as, as an electricity sort of thing. You can think about all the ways that electricity is sort of really made individual humans and humans as a species just much more effective and, and powerful than was ever the case in, in the past. So I think our takeaway with this point is simply that you really should be thinking about AI and hopefully thinking about it as infrastructure. And so that potential to both help with automation and to also augment what you're already doing as a learning business. That idea, especially that idea of AI as infrastructure is really gonna just in all likelihood really impact almost every aspect of, of what we all are doing in the year ahead. And it'll be clearer in some ways and, and it'll be a little more um, harder to sort of tease out uh, in other areas, but that AI really is having a fundamental impact on how we live, work, and learn. Definitely. I mean, it's already, it's already here. I used to often say about um, you know social media, which I feel like was the last sort of big you know tech wave to, to wash over us that uh, in many cases, we were already kind of soaking in it for those who are old enough to, to remember the old Palmolive commercials with uh, Madge, where basically it's just all around us already and we're not even aware of it. That's already happening with AI and uh, to start to be conscious of okay, then how does that play out in automation? How does that play out in augmentation? How are we going to really harness this in our learning business in, in 2024? Just should be a top of mind question, I think, for every learning business leader right now. So we'll jump back to the survey data to share the other top three areas. So the Next uh, highest area is aligning offerings with specific career or job paths relevant to learners. And so that could be through a competency model, learning pathways, or a targeted curricula. Those were all examples we gave. And so 41.3% are planning to focus on that in 2024. And anecdotally, I mean, we're seeing a lot more of this. We're doing a lot more work with clients around this. It just, you know, 
with there being so much competition for attention from other providers of learning experiences, really being able to offer experiences that, that do clearly relate to specific careers, specific jobs, and you know, being able to show learners that the path, how that works, how you're going to help them do that really is a way to, to stand out and, and deliver higher value these days with your learning offering. So we, I, w- I would expect this one to continue to evolve. And uh, we've talked about things that have become standard practice in, in another episode um, in the sort of companion to this episode. I see this one becoming a standard practice in the, in the relatively near future. So then the next area is implementation of methods to ensure that learning is retained and applied over time in 37.4% of respondents are planning to focus there in 2024. This is very heartening yeah. to us. It really speaks to what we see as the core mission of learning businesses to really provide learning products and services that make a difference, that move the needle and aren't just kind of check the box transactions that don't really have any lasting impact on the learner or, you know, the organization the learner works in or the people that the learner serves. So very heartened to see that this is going to be uh, an area of focus for 37.4% of respondents. Yeah. I mean, of course, our mantras, our, our themes here at Leading Learning and at, and at Tagoras are reach revenue and impact. And this is very much the impact part of the equation. And of course, it's by it's by actually achieving impact, by delivering learning effectiveness. That really is your product if you're a learning business is to to deliver that learning effectiveness, that's going to drive greater reach, that's going to drive greater revenue. So in some ways, this is the root of it all. And then the last area where over a third of respondents are planning to focus efforts in 2024, that is increased efforts to gather and analyze data to inform new product decisions or improve existing products. So you know, we talked about this a little bit in the companion episode um, because it has kind of tipped into being standard practice. Even more people are going to begin doing it in the year ahead. Again, this just to us makes a ton of sense to make sure that you are building products that really are going to respond to market need. They're going to have that impact that you were just mentioning, Jeff. And so the one great way to do that is to make sure that you actually have data that you're not just operating on gut or instinct or somebody's opinion, but you really have data to back up, okay, which products make sense or how can we improve the products we have out there? So we want to take a step away from the data, but it's but we want to offer two takeaways, but it's really informed by the data too, right. but it's not just sort of reporting, you know. We're going to synthesize. Yeah, we're going to do a move up Bloom's taxonomy a little bit there, I guess, to a higher level. Instead of just kind of reporting the data, offer two takeaways and then kind of talk, kind of unpack them. So the first one is pave the path for your learners. And so you were beginning to talk about that, Jeff, earlier when we shared a little bit of data around the idea of you know, aligning offerings with specific career or job paths. But we also asked about two other areas that in our mind kind of tie or potentially tie to that idea of pathways. And one of those areas is new or alternative approaches to credentialing. So that could be certificate programs, micro-credentials, digital badges. The other area was integration of educational offerings into the learning and development programs of employers in the field or industry that you serve or into general workforce development needs. So if you take those three together, the the paths, career or job paths, alternative credentials, and then 
really satisfying an employer need or general workforce development. For us, there's sort of a, a Venn diagram where you have those three circles and right in the middle, you kind of get something a little bit magical where they all overlap. Yeah, I mean, it really is a sweet spot, and we'd encourage you to actually try to visualize, you know, those Venn diagrams, or, you know, maybe once you're in a position, if you can pause right now, you can draw them, or if you're in a position later to to draw them and sort of think about those overlaps, because, you know, when you've got offerings that align to that career path or, you know, specific job paths, you're able to offer a, a, a credential around it that, you know, is seen as having some validity in the marketplace, and you're really able to do that in a way that integrates into the programs and the needs of the employers in your field or industry or into those general workforce development needs. That's just, that's an incredibly valuable combination for somebody to, for a learner to be able to come to you for, for employers to be able to look to you for. And again, you know, in, in a marketplace where the competition is high for learners' attention, for their wallets, for employers' wallets, being able to deliver that kind of value can just really stand you out as a learning business serving your particular field or industry. So that's the first takeaway, pave the path for your learners. The second takeaway is plan for risk. And we're having a little fun here because risk is actually spelled R-I-S-C in our, <laughs> in our version but it sounds just like the R-I-S-K word. And the idea here is that our kind of risk is a little bit of an antidote to the R-I-S-K kind of risk. And risk stands for us, for rapid intelligence with strategic confidence. So, you know, in 2024, it just seems like we're bound to be in for a lot more uncertainty and maybe upheaval. You know, we've got... Boy, so many things going on in the world right now. Uh, climate change, international conflicts, the 2024 U.S. presidential election. Who knows how that's going to turn out? Higher ed institutions that are you know trying to figure out how to survive in a culture that seems more and more skeptical of the the value of a college degree. Not to mention all the the fire they're they're coming under uh, trying to navigate some of those other complexities that uh, that I just uh, referenced. You know, throw AI into all of that. Boy, I mean, there's there's just so much going on right now to try to figure out, and you have to have an approach for doing that. And so, to kind of help cut through the noise, we think that you need to experiment because it's not necessarily in this time of uncertainty. It's not necessarily going to be crystal clear what is going to work, what is going to help you reach your learners, get their attention, convince them that you are trustworthy and that they should spend their time and money and energy learning with you. And so you're going to need to experiment to figure out what works. You're going to have to have some hypotheses and design some tests. You're going to need to try them out. And you're going to need to learn from those tests so that then you can put into action at larger scale, what you've learned from those tests. And, you know, the reason we think this is acronym worthy, you know, RISC, rapid intelligence for or with strategic confidence, is that it's something that just, it shouldn't just be sort of an off the cuff or, you know, one off sort of thing that, that you're doing randomly throughout the year. This needs to be institutionalized. This needs to become part of your operations, part of your culture, not just a, a solo or isolated activity. And really, because it needs to be that, someone needs to be accountable for it. Someone needs to be responsible for making sure you're doing it. And so just 
making that part of how you operate as a learning business in, in 2024, having those experiments that give you that rapid intelligence and inform your strategic confidence is going to be essential. And so we encourage you to pause and think about what will you try in 2024? What plans do you have to experiment? How will you try out new things? Are you going to do some A-B testing, potentially pilot a course? Are you going to maybe play around with prompt engineering? It could, of course, be a multitude of things, but get clear on what you are going to try and what you hope to learn from that so you can have that clear hypothesis to go out, test, try, plan for those experiments in the year ahead, and then make sure that you learn from and implement what you learn based on the results of those tests. So that's our look at the year ahead at leadinglearning.com slash episode 392. You'll find show notes, a transcript, and options for subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe. Yes, please do, as those subscription numbers give us some visibility into the impact of the podcast. We'd be grateful if you would take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you enjoy the show. Jeff and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings, and they help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. And please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one -on -one note or conversation with a colleague, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 391, you'll find links to connect with us on X, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Mm -hmm.